1: Trojan fans, that almost went well, not, almost went poorly, but it went okay, Yeah, it's okay. Uh Yeah, welcome to the Parastyle Podcast. Uh, I should never drink soda right before I do that because it always screws up my throat. Uh, today is Wednesday. My intro is all screwed up already, but I give you your hello Trojan fans because that's what you guys want. You want to talk about this USC Trojan football team. Got a gauntlet of a schedule coming up, the squeaker against Cal in Berkeley. I am here, Ryan Abraham, joined alongside... Connor Morissette, a.k.a. Triple Double. We are across all of the podcasting platforms. Wherever you get your podcast, you can listen to the Parastel Podcast. But we are also live on our YouTube channel. So if you're watching us live on YouTube, thank you very much for doing that. YouTube.com slash InsideTroy. You can uh, give us a like over there. Uh, You can subscribe to the channel. Hit that little bell so you get a notification. When we go live. So when I go live and we just play the intro and I screw up the intro a little bit, you can just go boom right there and see it. And you'll know right on your phone that the Paracel podcast or Tunnel Vision is going live. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. You can call or text us at 424-254-9141. That's our number. We got a couple of voicemails we'll get to a little bit later in the show. And if you have the uh, Apple podcasting app. You could leave us a five star rating over there. Follow the show uh on Apple and leave us a five star rating. You know, follow it wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that. Uh I use the uh the Apple Podcasting app. I used to use the Google one. I've used Spotify before. So however you get them, uh, we do appreciate just uh subscribing to the show and listening. We appreciate you too, Connor. How are you doing, man? Doing well. How was your Halloween? Uh it was kind of uneventful, didn't do too much. Same here. You got some candy. <laughs> yeah, from
0: Chris. On, that was really nice
1: uh, on Total Vision. A little, um, I do got some, I just went to the store, went to, uh, like CVS on my way here. Uh, yeah. Day after Thanksgiving or day after Thanksgiving, day after Halloween, half off candy, go in there and check it out. So I do my like meals on wheels on, uh, Wednesdays. So I had my deliveries this morning. So I usually go in and buy like a bag of candy for holidays, like Easter or whatever, which is a little weird because you're giving it to mostly older people, and sometimes they probably can't eat it. But I don't know. I put it in there anyway. So I just put some extra candy in all their bags. So I did my little Halloween trick or treating. I guess this morning, reverse reverse style it was deliver instead of coming to my house. Well, that's that's very nice doing your part. I uh, try we do what we can. Um, you know who does their part? Our friends over at Trader Joe's. They're amazing. We love them. Humanitarians. They you know they help us out a lot of different ways, Connor. I don't know if you know this. They just they just do. Go, you go to the website, go to traderjoes.com Always some cool stuff, some interesting stories, a cool recipe. I am, my kitchen remodel is like this close to being done, almost done. So I just can't wait to go back into Trader Joe's and just stock up the shelves and everything. So it's been, uh, it's been a little lean. I'm going to, I'll have a microwave today. Um, so I can heat up some of the, uh, the frozen foods I like from Trader Joe's, but, um, all that for the last three weeks, I haven't had any of that. So it's been a little, a little rough, uh, just kind of eating out more. But I'm excited to go. I'm just going to Trader Joe's, stock up, fill up the new fridge and all and all that stuff. So that should be fun.
0: Yeah, you got to get back on the Trader Joe's grind. I know. I was a little <laughs> – like not having a kitchen makes it harder, you know. Definitely. Uh, Even though the meals are easy to make, but you need something to make them with.
1: I did go in and get like uh, – they'll have like sandwiches and stuff, um, pre-made sandwiches. I'll, I'll grab those sometimes. So I like doing that. But I, I mostly like kind of getting some things to prepare. Like I got fruit and things you could eat. Yeah. but. I'm gonna go back and now uh, you know get my freezer with some some of those cool meals, the gnocchi, like make it on the new stove, you know, like the stuff. Yeah, I like all that kind of stuff. And air fry, you know, stuff you can air fry. Um, and uh, that one hack that we we talked about last week or two weeks ago with the uh, the soup dumplings, I want to try to do that one too. So, but I needed a microwave for that, so I couldn't try it. Um, all right, we got to get into some stuff. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. We uh, I talked about this with um, Coach Harvey Hyde a little bit, but. The uh the the dreaded six-day window was kicked in for the Oregon game. So it looks like USC wins, they're gonna be in a better spot. Probably a day game. USC loses. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen because Utah's still playing, Washington, all that. But um, yeah, uh, I would say it's probably gonna be a night game. So if if USC is like if, if USC fans are sort of bummed, it'll probably be a night game. If USC fans are happy, then it'll probably be a day game. It's sort of like my
0: you know, back-of-the-envelope calculation. I don't know what you think. I think that you just got to hope it's not a night game because Ottson at night, that's the full Ottson experience. That place goes crazy during those games. So if it's during the day, it'll still be really challenging, but could be quieter. And you just need any advantage you can get because I don't think USC matches up particularly well with Oregon. It's a really tough game, especially playing – them on the road so day game maybe it's a little quieter that could help you out either way tough tough place to play and I'm looking forward to making the trip Ryan that's going to be a really fun time
1: that will definitely be a fun trip uh says did we win this weekend yes (laughs) uh it was a win It was funny I just did a a uh 247 I think it was a CBS hit I don't even know what it was it was something for corporate headquarters doing a preview for USC Washington with uh, Chris Fedders over there we did like a video thing and one of the things you pop up it's like yeah USC won the game all this weird stuff happened there were so many possessions I'm glad Lincoln Riley talked about the two-point conversion thing because it was a game that had a lot of possessions you didn't need to go for two that early I felt like you were kind of chasing points there were so many possessions after that happened like you didn't need to tie it up at that point you know um but USC still punted seven times and scored 50 points like that's the one thing I think it was uh, listening to uh the of Troy, our friends over at of Troy, I think Michael pointed that one out. And I I I was, I always like going through the drive chart and kind of checking things out. But you look at some of the drives that USC had. There was a bunch of failed drives, obviously punts, but still scoring 50 points. You know, it's like – it was crazy. Yeah, USC won. It was like a crazy, crazy game.
0: I think it was leveled out, those punts. Cal had a few turnovers in their own territory, and of course the – punt fumble that Tackett Curtis did an excellent job punching out the ball when for some reason after fair catching at all game, the Cal returner decided to return the ball and then that set up USC with a short field. They had a couple of those after the Gentry interception and then when Cal had that first fumble where they just dropped the ball. So I think Certainly the short fields sort of even that out when you do have some punts, but there's so many points because USC didn't have to drive the length of the field. So that's sort of my read on it a little bit, but you're absolutely right, Ryan. What a crazy game from the protests to the halftime shenanigans with the field goal to just how it ended with a two-point conversion miss. And then even at the end, USC with Caleb Williams, they didn't have like there was a lot of time left and Caleb just kind of bought that time behind the line of scrimmage it's easy to screw that up i feel like and USC did a nice job of seeing that game out but there was just a lot of stuff that made you kind of you know raise one eyebrow like what the heck am i watching it
1: was it was nuts i mean it was i think it was a fitting we talked about this earlier in the season like i didn't feel like the stanford game was like a fitting end to that long standing rivalry and you know who knew that USC wasn't going to look like that really ever again, you know, the 49 to three first half, the Cal game was much more fitting. I think like this was sort of like, you know, 41 years, I think it was 41 years after like the famous, you know, the band is out on the field. Now that was the Stanford band and not the Cal band, but literally to have a referee standing on the field, making an announcement on what we think is halftime, but it's not quite halftime while the, the, Trojan, I mean, not the Trojan band, the Trojan band wasn't allowed on the field for some reason. Um, and then the cow band is out there performing, doing their things. And you're getting an announcement from the the officials. Lincoln Riley was talking their ear off. Justin Wilcox with, you know, Looney Tunes steam coming out of his ears, running out of the tunnel. It was absolutely bonkers. And some of the weird calls that were happening, obviously the protest. And like, if you were to say how you want the the USC Berkeley sort of rivalry to end at least for now. 99 points, you know, failed two-point conversion and all that crazy stuff that happened.
0: I think that's that was perfect, I think. You couldn't have written a better script. Jack said that same thing on incident analysis. It is true. Maybe not the cleanest game out of all the history of USC Cal games, but certainly one of the most entertaining. Yeah. And I don't think the Stanford game certainly was not an entertaining game. USC fans were entertained, I'm sure, but for the neutral like watching that one but A lot of people went to sleep because it was what 49 to 3 at halftime. This was at least a better game that kept people entertained, and USC got the win that's the most important thing. But man, oh man, are there a lot of questions about the defense? Which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, we got to get into some of that stuff.
1: Um, Ethan says, Hey, I remember a, a night game in Otton in 2011 where we shocked number four Oregon. Maybe we can bring that back. That was that was some brilliant, uh, Lane Kiffin. Um, he was recruiting in that game. He wore like, looked like he was going skiing. Like he made it look like they were in like the North pole. So you're like, Hey recruits, you want to come up here where it sucks and it's like so cold. I have to wear like a ski outfit or would you like to come to Southern California? And they, they built a big lead there and they kind of blew it, but they, they ended up holding on <laughs> for the win. Um, but yeah, that was a huge one. That was a huge win, um, for USC and you got some, we're, we're going to get into three, the gauntlet coming up, which would be two top 10 teams. Uh, UCLA number nineteen, and then whoever, if if you could win those, another ranked team in the uh, Pac twelve championship game, it's a gauntlet coming up. But we got to talk about sort of what um, it's it's another weird practice week, I guess you could say, Connor. You want to give people an update of sort of like what because uh, we're supposed to have practice today, but I don't know if you're going to go. Probably not, right? Because there's no one available. But um, maybe give like an update of what's going on.
0: Sure. So yesterday, the SID and Lincoln Riley were talking as they were walking onto the field, and that sort of like usually that doesn't happen. So it seemed like they were planning something out together. And then after the seven-minute viewing period, because we're not able to watch much, we met with the SID, Katie Ryan, and she talked about Se- seven minutes. By the yeah. way, like this, it used to be like twenty,
1: thirty. We could take pictures. You could shoot videos. Like Chris timed it; it was under seven yeah. minutes of of watching. Basically, you can see that the team exists and they can run around and stretch, and then you're gone.
0: Yeah, not, not much to take not away. Not ideal. You can take away more from who comes out of the tunnel, just who's practicing with their pads on, because you see who has the shoulder pads and who's going in, and that you don't really need to do much else, because you can't take much away when it's just guys stretching. But media people complaining, I know, on to the next thing. So they, Riley and Katie, the SID, were talking, and after the viewing period, for whatever reason, it was announced that tomorrow there probably won't be any media availability after practice because of a scheduling change. So we were going to get everyone today, which was yesterday, and that was Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, and then I think 13 players. So we have a lot of stuff on YouTube if you want to watch it, but it, it was just interesting. I just wonder like what kind of a schedule change leads to no one being available tomorrow. Usually we get two assistant coaches during the week. We only got Grinch this week. No one on offense as an assistant is going to talk. It just seems like something else is going on, maybe, but who knows? Maybe it is really a scheduling change that leads to no one talking. It just seems kind of weird to me. I don't know about you, Ryan.
1: It's definitely weird, and, uh, you know, David Woods loves trolling over, you know, if USC was just, like, being uh, the—hold on, do I have it? Um, This was what USC should have been.
2: Yeah. That blast came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Operational. Let the hate flow
1: through you. That's what USC was supposed to be. They're like, oh, they hired Lincoln Riley. The Death Star's back. They got all this talent. And they've looked like butt a lot of times. You know, they just haven't looked that good. So, yeah. And so, David Woods does like to troll a little bit. But I think one of the observations that he made a couple weeks ago, it might have been like three weeks ago, before USC even lost a game, was the way Lincoln Riley was acting was like an embattled head coach. And we've seen things like this happen where there's turmoil, there's things going on, maybe behind the scenes, you know, the Iowa stuff with uh, Kirk Ferentz and like him, you know, having his son as the offensive coordinator, they end up firing him this week and uh, USC fans are upset because they're like, oh, I, why can't we fire our coordinator? But anyway, the, you see coaches sort of act a certain way where you're focused on maybe like the perception of what's happening instead of really just fixing what's going on. And USC had done this for years, where you're start trying to control the message, as opposed to just like, well, hire somebody good or do something, you know, go win games, and you don't have to worry about controlling the message. But it it's felt like that, Connor, and I'm not exactly sure why. But you know, they know what's going on inside the program. Did they see that this was going to be struggle bus coming through, and knowing that you've got these games coming up, you know, number five, number six, number nineteen. It's uh it's a lot. And when you haven't been playing well, you know, especially against when you've played a couple you've played a couple good teams and haven't played well in either one of them, you're worried about it. But it, it just seems like this is all stuff that you're like trying to fix, you know, you're trying to control the narrative as opposed to like fixing really what's going on. And to me, that's not a good sign. The fact that they got even more strict on practice, like just from the outside point of view, like I don't think they think they're going to play that well. Like That's that's kind of what it tells me. I don't know what it tells you.
0: They're definitely trying to control the narrative. And Riley, even on Trojans Live, which is the in-house coaches show that USC does, he's answering questions about explosive play problems on defense. And he's just not happy. He said repeatedly this week, we need to fix five to ten plays on defense and we'll be a lot better. He said that on Trojans Live, said that to us yesterday. And then I ended... The media availability of Riley asking him, what gives you confidence that you can make those adjustments just based on how it's gone here for you at USC? Didn't mean to be a smartass or anything, but I just, they haven't shown that they can make those adjustments. So I just wanted to know what he thought about that. And he got all mad and said it was the Cal stop on fourth down last week. That gives me confidence. He said that he feels like that's going to be the spark for his defense. The problem is the next drive for Cal, they go down and score a touchdown. That really was the chance to get a big spark. They are seriously trying to, uh, like, they're in, I don't know if damage control mode is the right thing to say, but they're definitely trying to control the narrative, and I wish Riley would just say, it's not good enough right now, and we know that, and we're doing everything we can to get better. He he is saying that it's not good enough, and that they are working hard, but it's a lot of, like, we're so close, we're five to ten plays away. Yeah. It's pretty consistently not been that close, in my opinion, and... The beauty of this, one side will be right, one side will be wrong. USC plays three top 20 teams to end the season, two really good offenses in Washington and Oregon, UCLA with a great offensive coach in Chip Kelly. The defense is going to be tested, and we'll see how close they are or how far they are. Yeah. No, I I feel like
1: it's sort of like the rubber meets the road. This is where it's at. And you can say, and unfortunately, USC fans sort of endured many years of, you know, USC like losing to Stanford early in the season and then maybe losing to like Oregon or some, or Utah or something. And then, but they're still technically alive and, and you know, it's until they were eliminated from, you know, winning the South or whatever, that was like, they control their own destiny. And there was a lot of that kind of talk. And I get it because USC does, you have this crazy, you know, schedule ahead of you. And if you win all those games, and we had questions about that, but you're gonna be in the championship game. You're still in second place in the Pac-12, uh, as of right now. So, yes, like technically all of that is true. It's just we haven't seen uh we haven't seen it bear out there. And but I wouldn't be surprised, like it does feel like there's enough talent on this team. You have the reigning Heisman winner. You've seen the defense make I've seen them make higher quality plays this year than they did last year, but man, they're still giving up so many, you know, RJ Abadia's stat of 55 plays of 20 yards or more which I think was it second worst in the country or something and compared to UCLA has given up 18 of those USC USC's 55 it's insane like you know that's just you can't do that kind of stuff and that was against Cal like what are you going to do against Washington but you there's a path there where they just sort of figure it out and turn it around i there's no nothing's give me confidence that they will but it was not going to be like completely shocking if they kind of figure it out And I feel like it's just one of those things where he's saying all this stuff, but you can be proven wrong, like fairly quickly. Like his, uh, you know, the infamous um, untrained eye comment where it just, the insinuation there was like, we are doing better than last year. You just, you, you're not seeing it. And to his credit, I feel like there's higher, there's better plays being made on defense, but the amount of, crappy plays are still there and maybe even worse than last year so that sort of backfired like if you were going to like go through and and beat notre dame and beat utah and the defense does play a little bit better then the untrade Die thing, you're like all right yeah we we didn't see it that the defense was better well everyone saw that it wasn't better and they were right and so those kind of things it's like sometimes the words matter and it's one of the you know the spark, whatever it is, like if you just go out and lay an egg against Washington, like you weren't a spark away, you weren't five or 10 plays away. So it's like you said, it's sort of like the talk is fine, but what happens on Saturday? Go out and win the game. They're like, all right, I'll take you at your word, but you go out and lay an egg again. It's like, okay, well, you're, you're just, you know, blowing smoke and not, and not addressing what's really an issue here.
0: Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen Saturday. Both teams are going to score a lot of points and it could be a situation (laughs) where whoever has the ball last wins I don't see a way where maybe USC does get one stop defensively that wins them the game at the end. But it's not they're not going to hold Washington in the 20s, I don't think. And if they do, then credit to them. Great job. It's a tough offense, obviously, with Penix and those great receivers. So if you can do that, great. But I don't think anyone is confident that that's how they'll win. They need to just outscore Washington. That's sort of how it's been this year. Look at last week. You needed 50 to be Cal. One fewer point would have gone to 50. overtime. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> 50 to
1: 49 usc with the beneficiary of four turnovers like you needed to have a four to one turnover ratio to win that one and still come up with a defensive play at the end I, like what is you know and i'm not into like well washington's gonna score a thousand because like no they're not like washington's struggled too USC can go out and win this game and i think that's that becomes the most important thing is you to go out Washington's not been, you know, hitting on all cylinders either. They're going to be playing on the road. You know, they've given up a bunch of plays on defense. Just don't, you know, instead of giving up a fifty-yard run, give up a twelve-yard run. You know, and instead of letting Adunze go for like one hundred and eighty yards, like limit them to like ninety-five. You know, uh, if you kind of just keep things in front of you and just don't let Pennix go bananas, I think you got a ch- chance of winning this one. But it's probably going to be. Washington's offense is going to go bananas, and USC's offense is going to go bananas, and there'll there'll be some good stops or some weird turnovers. Um, but this is a game like just like the Utah game, which is you know the more you look at it, is like unforgivable, especially what happened the week afterwards. This is a game you can win. You know, it it it's not like Washington's playing at a super high level right now. They were against Oregon, and they they've kind of come back down to earth. Do you let them? get back to their meteoric rise of offense and you be one of the best in the country? Or do you kind of keep them looking like pretty damn good offense, but not like balls? And that's whoever, you, whoever plays USC is like, oh, they're, they're, this is amazing. I've never seen Scadabo do these kind of crazy things. Just week after week. Can you do that against what's a really good offense? Like Cal's offense has been pretty good, you know, but you made them look amazing. I mean, Washington's offense is amazing. Can you make them look pretty good? You know, I don't... I think that's kind of where you need to be.
0: Everyone who plays USC looks forward to playing them. Since the bye week, all the teams USC's played, they've been well over their points per game average on the season. And Arizona was 28 after regulation. They averaged 28. So overtime skews that a little bit. But everyone else has been well over, Cal included. I don't mean to pile on, but it's been a get-right game for a lot of offenses. Cal, they had 40 against Oregon State, but 49 against USC, they, they weren't throwing the ball very well and they threw it all over the yard against the Trojans. My big concern this week, Ryan, is that, yes, Washington's had its struggles, but when teams have struggled, they go up against USC, and it looks great. What did USC, and what have they done against NFL-caliber talent under Riley on defense? I mean, Mayer last year, the tight end for Notre Dame, catches two touchdowns. Tajay Spears, who's now on the Titans, the running back for Tulane, he had a massive game in the Cotton Bowl. Look at Kincaid on Utah, who's now on the Buffalo Bills he caught like 16 passes that first game. So when USC has gone up against NFL caliber talent under Lincoln Riley, it has not been pretty. And I expect Penix and Roma Dunze to do what they do, have big games. Nothing that I've seen this year leads me to believe even USC playing at home that, okay, they're going to be able to limit these really, really talented offensive players. Shudder Sanders had a huge game too. He might be an NFL guy when the talent level is high. it, It has just not been good enough. And, I am not going to pick USC until the defense gives me a reason to, because I don't think that they've shown they can beat these really good teams at the end of the schedule. People will say, Oh, I'm so negative. I'm so negative. But I think if you're a USC fan, you just hope, okay, we'll outscore them. Washington's been a little bit shaky recently. I'm just trying to, I just want to see more defensively before I go that far. And I, like I keep saying, I don't think that's unfair. And a lot of people have been getting (laughs) mad at me this week. That's okay. It is what it
1: is. No, no, I get it. And I, you know, I will acknowledge that, We've seen better stops, I think, overall than we saw last year. And
0: the the, the Athletic does uh, their stop rate, and USC, for all the stats that they're in the hundreds on, they're still a little bit below average in stop rate, which is third down stop, fourth down stop, uh, turnover, just any time an opponent hasn't scored. I think they're in the 70s. The Athletic just published that today. So, again, it's below average, but it's way better than a lot of these other stats. The problem is it's like
1: it's, you know, it's a a slight – there's no slight misses. There's no like – Oh, uh, you know, every every error in the infield leads to an inside the park home run. Like it's just it's there's no stopping. Like if you if you make the routine play six four three, three, boom, that's great. If you boot the ball, okay, the guy's on first. No, USC boots the ball and he's scoring somehow. You throw it over the first baseman's head, it goes into the dugout. You know, when they screw up, it's like major screw-ups. And you're just not like you can't have like you gotta keep some of it in front of you. You have to just limit the the mistakes like one guy not filling his gap can't lead to a touchdown every time but it just seems like that's what happens uh, with USC and not you know to me you're looking at that you got there's got to be a, a way you can call a game where you're just like all right we're just going to try to contain this a little bit and maybe that's just a different philosophy but holy cow like 55 plays from scrimmage of 20 yards or more People are feasting. And like you said, if you're an off- offensive struggling, like Michael Penix didn't throw a touchdown pass against Arizona uh, in Tucson. They didn't score an offensive touchdown against Arizona State. You know, it's, that's not the sign of an amazing offense. And we've seen USC have their highs and lows too. But is USC going to be the get right game? Is it is Michael Penix, is this his 475-yard five touchdown plus a rushing touchdown performance? Like, USC's losing, right? You can't do that. You got to kind of – but to your point, we haven't seen anything that would make you at least predict that that's going to happen. I think they have the horses to do it. I think they'd have to change some of their calls because whatever they're trying to do isn't working. Like I'm not some defensive expert or whatever, but you got to call something different. I, I mean, I can see where one mistake leads to a first down. Every time you have one mistake, it can't lead to a touchdown, and that's really what's happening. I I feel like that can be controlled. Like you can say, "All right, well, I'm going to keep this safety over the top just to make sure that if that guy misses a tackle, he can clean up the play." I don't think they're doing that kind of stuff right now. So I I feel like that's something you can change. I but you know, you're nine games in. You're not. Uh, you're probably not changing much.
0: I think another big concern is too when the games got harder a year ago and the season got towards the end, USC's defense bottomed out. And I'm not going to say for sure they're going to bottom out, but I'd bet a lot of money that they're going to bottom out compared to not bottoming out based on what happened a year ago. So that's a concern, too. How they finish the year, I know their whole thing, the longer it goes, the better we get. They're trying to change that and they're pushing, but just based on what happened a year ago and sort of how things have transpired so far this season with the tough teams that they have at the end of the schedule here, would anyone be surprised if it was another bottoming out defensive effort as as the year goes on? I know I wouldn't be.
1: No, I wouldn't either. Here's a good point, um, USC football for life. The problem is the offense hasn't taken advantage of the improved stops this year. And I, I agree. I feel like last year when the defense was really putrid, it was definitely more complimentary sort of football. And this year what we're seeing, and I think to the defense's credit, like when you're down big, like three scores, like they've been down, Um they at least down two to Cal, three to Arizona. Um, they, and I think for Utah too, they were able to kind of get stops to stop the bleeding, which is like, that's the harder part for me. Like when your back is against the wall, are you getting a stop? But then when the offense, and, and then the offense would like, you know, crap the bed, but then the offense would respond. And I think it was with, um, was it the Notre Dame game? where They got within 11 a couple of times. One time you just give up a touchdown drive. The other time you give up a kickoff return. That it feels like okay. Well, now the maybe you know it's it's like watching um, the Rangers yesterday. Like they're up ten nothing. You know, do the bats sort of sleep? Go to sleep for a little bit. And oh, and the Arizona kind of comes back. Is the defense responding when like the opposing offense is going to sleep a little bit when you're up their scores? I'm not sure, but I feel like they've been better at that. But then once it gets closer. And this is when, okay, the offense is going now, they're scoring, you need to get a stop. Nope, you give up the touchdown, and now Cal can tie or take the lead. So it feels like it's not complimentary football, that they're getting enough stops that the offense could pull away, and they haven't. But then when the offense is coming back, the defense doesn't get the stop there too. So it doesn't seem like they're helping each other, if that makes sense, Connor.
0: makes total sense. It's been very uneven, and how about last week when USC gets the turnover, and then kayla williams drops back to pass on first down and he <laughs> strips sacked, and he immediately loses it yes that is a prime example of the units not helping each other and last week they ended up getting the win. it's been huge i think too ryan early in the game so usc was up 10 nothing against cal and they started the game a lot better than they did the previous couple of weeks but like the big plays early oh sione Vaki on a wheel route touchdown and you're just watching the game like they're probably gonna like that's gonna really come back to haunt them i think yes. and then Quickly, Jaden Ott, two first quarter long rushing touchdowns. And it's like, you probably can't afford to allow those. And of course, USC goes on to win by one and they could afford to. But you know what I mean? Like even early, like later in the game, they are getting some key stops. But it's like the mistakes early that are just like, OK, you have time to adjust and change some things. But man, oh, man, do you need to be making these big errors right now? You can't consistently overcome those. They're one and one. Utah and Cal these last couple of weeks when allowing big plays early. And I think if Washington can get up to a big lead this weekend, I don't know if they're the kind yeah. of team that USC can play from behind against.
1: No. And I th- I think both of those examples you give, it's great because it's not great for USC's defense, but <laughs> Jade not, you know, he's really good. He's got speed. He's got power. Bust a big one, 43 yards. All right. Well, that happened. You can't let him bust a 61 <laughs> yard next. See Ivaki, like, Oh, who's the safety guy? Like, who we didn't see on film, though he did this on film the week before, catches the, the swing pass for a touchdown, and it's like, oh. And then he does it again. Like, when you're giving it up more than once, then you're not adjusting at all. Like, that's that's a big problem.
0: I do you think know? Bear Alexander coming into the second half helped, and like, sure they have made some adjustments that, that have worked. It's not like a total loss, but looking at the whole body of work, it, it just hasn't been good enough. And, and Riley seems so upset, like, just answering the questions consistently. He just seems angry when he has been asked all these questions. Just very resistant, and you kind of are what you are. You know what I mean? I don't like. There, you can't really keep putting lipstick on a pig.
1: No. Um, from Relic, are we taking calls today? No, no calls, but we do have voicemails. So this is our regular podcast. I know it looks like Tunnel Vision and it says Tunnel Vision there, but this is the Peristelle Podcast actually. So we won't be doing live calls, but. We'll take your questions and stuff. Um, anything else you want to get to? We can take a break and get to some questions.
0: Sure. That sounds good.
1: All right. We'll we'll uh, we'll be back in a minute, everybody, answering all of your questions. <music> all righty. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. I almost said podcast of champions again. We do so many shows. I think I need to do less shows. Is that is that like a is that bad? We're doing two podcasts of champions a week, which this is the last year we're going to do that because it's like the last year of the Pac-12. But yeah, we just do a lot of these, and uh, you've got a loyal following. We do, and it's great. We appreciate it all, but it's like ends up being a lot, and you kind of like words kind of go together, and like, did we already talk about this? Was that something else? Um, And I kind of like our show because we can still like. Yeah, go over a little bit yeah. and then like look forward like it's kind of like, you know, all the thing uh, We are getting some questions in the chat If you're watching us live on the YouTube channel, I think we had over 100 people in there um, We like 24 likes 125 people 25 likes like it, please like subscribe We love that if you want to do a super chat, you can do that, too. Those are great uh, We'll get your question right to the top if you do that, but I've starred if you put question in there I've started and look forward but we have some emails and we have some voicemails to get to so let's go with this one first.
3: Hi, this is Rick from Vista. I have some questions about the offense. Thank you for all your insight. Um, they just don't seem to be hitting on all cylinders. Last year, when Caleb was in, it seemed that uh, the offense couldn't be stopped. It was always going into this year. Everybody said, you know, they have to be able to outscore us to beat us. And um, is it a case of, having a year or you two years under your belt of Caleb Williams to understand what he's going to do. And now they've figured it out. So, you know, he has to be better than he was before. Because I've seen some beautiful throws that he makes, but I've also seen some people that have been open that he's missed. And I'm, I'm just really concerned because, you know, if we have to outscore everybody, that's great. But when the defenses now understand what he's trying to do – and obviously Coach Riley, what he's trying to do, then we're going to have problems. And I think we've already seen that. And going into Washington and Oregon and UCLA, I'm a little concerned. I'd like to know your thoughts.
0: I think that's a major, major question a lot of fans have, and it's a good question. Just based on how it's gone this year, I do think teams have been able to study Riley and Caleb's tendencies from last year when they were together at USC with all the different pieces around them that weren't there in Oklahoma. And even though the offense looks a little bit different this year, especially on the offensive line and the skill spots, you can still understand tendencies because the two guys, Caleb and Lincoln Riley, had all of last year together. So I think that certainly is a concern and is why USC struggled on offense a little bit this year. They're still doing amazing if you just look at the numbers in yards and in points per game, top 10. But why hasn't it just seemed a little bit easier? I think a big part of that is because – People know the tendencies. Yeah, no, I think,
1: I think when you're not winning, you can look at almost anything, and you know it's like second seeing the pitcher the third time through the lineup. But I think you can, you know, really good offenses can make adjustments to stuff like that too. So it just seems like, I, I think that's part of it. But it also seems like USC's when someone's throwing something at you defensively, there's counters, and USC doesn't seem to be like. Making their adjustments to counter those things, they're kind of well. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. It hasn't been obviously hasn't been working all the time. It works sometimes, but not all the time.
0: I do think too the offensive line isn't as good, and that makes it really difficult to play offense that looks easy if you just don't have time.
1: All right, Uh, Don. I don't think this is a very positive uh, email. Just to warn you guys, was that the USC football team or trick or treaters in Halloween costumes? Cal is known for pranks. Gave SC a treat by going for two. Helton 2.0 said he was impressed with the big stops made by the defense. We know that the football team uh, are not competitors, and by recent Riley comments, he does not appear to be either. Opponents are cheating. Defense making big stops. Whittingham was illegally manipulating the clock. Nothing to <laughs> no, analyze. No, was not. Nothing to analyze about this team. I think he's being sarcastic.
0: No. he. Well, okay, maybe, but... He's talking about the substitutions, how they would have the yeah. big lineman come on. Oh, okay. If he was being sarcastic, then that went right over my head. But uh, yeah, based on the, the tone of the, yeah, based on the tone of the email. But did yeah. Riley ever say that? I don't. Uh, I don't think anyone said that except for maybe fans. I would say Don. That I know
1: you're just up. He's he's pissed off. Obviously, um, they have fought.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. The team yeah. is competing and working hard. They just aren't executing a lot of the time and. Does that fall on the coaches? Does it fall on them a little bit? I think you can split the blame, but I don't think the coaching staff has looked particularly good this year overall.
1: Yeah. Um, Jim, uh, I don't know if, the, you know, whatever. The, we'll see if this comes out. Jim says his explanation is Caleb is hurt. He was missing throws at Cal that he could make in his sleep. The fa- That finger is a
0: factor. Maybe, but he also had five big time throws, according to Pro Football Focus, which tied a career high. So if his finger's bothering him, could he have made a lot of those amazing throws that he made? I, I don't know. I, I think it's definitely an issue, but it's football. Guys got to play through stuff. And yeah. I know you, you don't want your pinky to be hurt on your throwing end if you're a quarterback, so I don't want to sound like I'm just poo-pooing it. But I, I think he, he's out there, and, and if it really was a problem, I don't think he'd be playing. If it was, like, broken and he needed surgery or something, obviously he wouldn't be out there. It's an injury he can play through. There's a, there's a reason maybe he's not playing as well, but I, I just think that that's part of the deal. You just got to play through stuff sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think people are, like – if you you know, you remember like John David Booty when he had a broken finger, and for whatever reason, USC has been awful about putting in like backup quarterbacks. Like it's like it's like the last resort. We've seen other, you know, third string quarterbacks throw for a million yards. I mean, you had Mark Sanchez, you had an NFL quarterback as as John David Booty's backup, and you wouldn't put him in. And he couldn't really throw the ball. Uh, and they end up losing to Stanford. The um I don't think that's anything close to this. Like, like Connor said, he's making some big time throws. Now, is his accuracy going to be a little off on some of them or whatever? But and that could be anything. I mean, you're you're talking about playing, you know, they're gonna play nine games in a row to end this season. Like it's it's hard on your body. So yeah, maybe it's it's not perfect, but I wouldn't say if it was gonna be that big of a problem, he wouldn't make some of the throws he was making. So I would go with that.
0: I agree. I see someone in the chat who's saying Riley hasn't been that upset at making up my own narrative. He's definitely calm. A lot of, in, in a lot of instances. But remember after the Arizona game when he went out of his way after practice to defend the defense and he talked about how people's minds have already been made up and that hasn't been fair and the defense is doing a lot of good things. He's not happy with the perception of the defense and I'm not making that up. Go look at what he said after that Arizona game during the week of practice that week. He went on this long, long tangent about how people haven't been fair. He's not happy based on what I asked him yesterday. He, he, he's he's annoyed. He, he it's It's not me making that up. No, and I think
1: the unfortunately for Lincoln Riley, I feel he believed it, you know, and I looked at the defense too, and I'm like, I see why it would be better. And they've made higher quality stops, but it's not been, and I, I feel like you can, you can look at numbers a whole bunch of different ways, but most of the ways you're looking at the numbers for the defense, you could look at stuff like stop rate, like, okay, they're actually a little bit better at getting some stops, but. You can't just give up touchdowns when you're not getting stops. And that's what they're doing. So I feel like he's sort of frustrated that he believed that this was better and that really just you have to understand, like they're they're doing better things than last year. And I I I would believe him for that, but you you know, you got nine games in, like you look at the results, and it's just it's bad. It's really, really bad. It's, you know, again, in the realm of historically bad. It's in the realm of making whoever you play look like a Heisman Trophy winner. Like, this is happening over and over again. It's kind of like it's nice that you hit a few bullet points that you were looking for, but the overall picture is still bad. And I feel like he believed that it wasn't going to be. And now that it clearly is, it's untrained eyes or not. And now you're kind of like, you know, I felt like he believed it. And then you're seeing it's not coming through. Like, it was that we weren't giving the benefit of the doubt to the defense being improved. And maybe we weren't, but it, it's not improved. You know, it's 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 still really bad. And so that's that. You know, at the end of the day, you are who you are. You know, a duck is a duck. This is a you know this is a bad defense. And I don't. There's no perception. There's no way to spin it to make it like it's better. It's not. It's crappy. USC doesn't deserve a defense this crappy. There are people who get paid a lot of money to put a product on the field, and if you're not producing, you're going to get fired. It's just the way it is. I'm not calling for anyone's job. But this that's just the way this is, like you can't have these kind of crappy results and be retained. so I feel like Lincoln Riley didn't want to have to keep answering questions like this, just like Kirk Frentz didn't want to have to keep answering questions like this. There was actual you know verbiage in his contract that they have to score twenty five points a game. They were falling well short of that, so it's like you're gone. I don't know what the if there was a points per game thing that Lincoln Riley was thinking about, but whatever it is, you are not
0: anywhere near that,
1: so. There's my little defensive rant. No, I don't know where that got from.
0: <laughs> that, that makes sense. What can't help all of this, too, is across town, UCLA has a new defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden their defense is world beaters. And you could argue that USC has more talent defensively if you just look at like the recruiting rankings for a lot of those guys. I know that great edge rusher UCLA has no one on USC right now compares to him. But you know what I mean? Like They're doing a lot more with less, in my opinion, and they made a coaching change. Everyone wanted Lincoln Riley to make a coaching change. He didn't do it. The defense hasn't been good enough. I wonder if that he thinks about that at all. Like, you know, not only are we not playing well, but UCLA is doing what a lot of people said we should have done, and they look a lot better.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, it's it's one of those things where I think you can defend Lincoln Riley's decision to keep Alex Grinch in the offseason. I was okay with it. I mean, preference was go another direction. I get what he was saying. It didn't, but it, there was a risk of it not working out. It did not work out. And I don't think he's going to say during the season, we're making a change. I think it's going to be something after the season. So I, w- I wouldn't be too, I know there's some fans that think he's not going to fire them, they're best friends or something. I just don't think that's the case. I think he's going to look at it and say, this isn't good enough. That just the PR alone, the hit alone, if they brought him back would be uh, just, it'd be a nightmare. So I, I don't think that's going to happen, but you got to let this, you, they're in the middle of a the season. They're second in the Pac-12. You got to let the string play out, and once it's over, if you look back and you're seven and five or you're eight and four, and you gave a bunch of points to UCLA and Oregon and in Washington, he's going to make a change. So that's just my belief. Um, okay, let's go to an email. This is, uh, the kids aren't all right. I'm curious about your thoughts uh, on these comments by Caleb Williams after the Cal game, as reported by ESPN. Uh, He said, I had a few mistakes in the Notre Dame game, dumb passes that I threw. Last week, I had a 70% completion percentage or something like that. So I had one off day in the past three years. Um, And then he puts in parentheses, ignoring the fact that against top 25 opponents, his completion percentage is 51.4% and averages 54% of the passing yardage that he does against unranked opponents. Uh, do you think that these are comments of a leader or a team player? It, it seems like Caleb is trying to distance himself from the stink of this team and is most concerned about any outside perception that he might be slipping as the number one prospect for the NFL draft. And I'm wondering how this type of, quote, it's all about me attitude affects
0: the rest of the team. Thanks, the kids aren't all right. I don't think what caleb williams said there isn't all about shows that he's like all about me but we talked about the sunday ryan him saying that i think is just a reaction to the perception out there like maybe this guy isn't the sure thing that a lot of us thought and i think he, he, he'll never admit this so it's me reading into what people don't like when i do this but you know what i mean like subconsciously if last year you're crowned the number one overall pick and one of the greatest prospects in quarterback of the modern era. And now you have a few things not go your way. What are you going to say? You're going to say, hey, I, I'm better than people think I had one bad game. Keep talking about me the way you used to be talking about me. You know what I mean? I, I think it has it has more to do with that. And and everyone thinks Caleb Williams on the USC roster is a team player, a great leader. There are no questions about that inside that building at all, despite what people want to think on the outside. But I think the pressure of being the number one pick and being the next guy would get to anyone, and I don't think really he's saying the right things by only saying he, you know, he's only had one ever bad game. But I don't really get mad at him for saying it. He's a kid who is put in a pressure, pressure, pressure filled spot, and that's him reacting to that. I'm okay with that, I guess. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think this was a me, me, me thing either. But I feel like he was. It was like, I kind of like what Lincoln Riley was saying, I felt he was getting a little embattled. Like, you don't need to defend yourself. Like, yeah. you're the Heisman winner. You know, the people have, around you haven't been playing as well, nearly as well uh, this year as they were last year. And I felt, I, you know, he probably was a little defensive. It didn't need to be. But I don't think it was a me, me, me thing. Or it was it was not about me or about my teammates, I think. It was, you know, kind of about his performance. And he's like, I'm still pretty freaking good, which he is, you know. I don't, I don't think he needs to defend himself like that. But... Again, I don't think it was about me, me, me. Uh, let's go to Curtis, uh, voicemail.
2: Hi, Peristyle fans. Hey, Ryan. This is Curtis from Reno Valley. Just called to remind everybody about something. Washington coming to the Coliseum runs the air raid. Not a variation of, but the air raid offense. We know all about the air raid, don't we? We know what shuts it down, don't we? Drop 8 coverage. Remember, we ought to be in drop 8 for most of the time. Then blitz when you want, Grinch. But please, take it from us, the USC fans that remember Graham Harrell and the air raid offense. Nobody could stop us in man coverage with Keaton Slovis at quarterback and all those great receivers. But as soon as they started dropping 8, Nobody was open. He had to hold on to the ball so long and the line would eventually get to him. We need to drop eight with a spy, 80 to 90% of the time and save the season. Curtis from Moreno Valley.
1: What do you think, Connor?
0: Yeah. uh, I think Riley and DeBoer are similar and it's not like a total air raid system. I don't think it is either, but it's based off of the air raid and, I don't know how often has USC dropped eight guys this year. That they don't do that Never. very much. So I don't. Well, maybe I'd have to look at shotguns. <laughs> then, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it's happened. Often. No, no. In a third and a mile, they like to bring Curtis pressure. is
1: big into um, defensive strategies, and it's just like you need to run this defense. I'm like, okay. Everyone runs like multiple everything. Would I agree with Curtis that you need to keep things in front of you and more zone stuff where you're just like maybe you're giving up some underneath routes, but people are flying to the ball and you're making a tackle and one big play isn't going for a touchdown every time. Like I think so, but I don't know about the whole drop eight thing, or if you need to spy Michael Penix or anything, I think you know, you're you running a zone guys are keeping their eyes in the backfield. Um, he's not like some huge threat to run or anything. So, but against USC, you don't have to be a good threat to run and still be very successful picking up third and eights uh, with your legs. So, yeah, we'll see. Maybe he, he runs for like 50 yards in this game, which would probably be a career high.
0: He is athletic. And against Stanford, I know we spent the whole show pretty much talking about the USC defense, but Stanford's quarterback rushed for two touchdowns and was good running the ball. I wonder if that'll be more part of Lincoln Riley's game plan, getting Caleb more involved in the running game. And Stanford was not afraid to throw the ball against Washington. So it's not like this Washington defense is fantastic, but the big statistic with them is – they're allowing a lot of yards. They allow 400 yards a game, which is 85th nationally, but there's 27th nationally in points per game. So they're what USC should be, which is Ben, but don't break.
1: Yeah, I agree with it. We had a weird person in the chat. I just gave him a timeout. They just keep saying all this stupid stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> I think last week, uh, uh, Blackie Chan, maybe I could uh, have him be a moderator again. I think he did that for us last week. That was great. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. We have more questions. Scott in the Bay Area. Hey, Parastyle team. Uh, five stars for Chris Trevino's comedy master class on the last Helium and Boyds episode. Uh, I hope Lincoln Riley shows up to the next post-game presser with a 10K trademarked take me to dinner before you ask about the defense T-shirt. Oh, I like that. Uh, give Branch the Rock, let Lloyd run, and fight on Scott in the Bay Area. I guess we could have sent that over to uh, Helium <laughs>
0: Some Boys. love for Chris.
1: Love it. Little Chris, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he must have mentioned that. Take me to dinner before you ask about the defense. I think that was a thing. Like, yeah, if we go anywhere, people are going to say, what about USC's defense? So I could see that. Erland Torrance says, guys, uh, why does it take so long to get the ball snapped, especially after good plays? Too much standing, staring at the sidelines, hand-waving, walk to the line, change the play, and get little or nothing out of it. Also, I'm beginning to wonder if Caleb is audibilizing out of a running play. What are your thoughts? Earl and Torrance.
0: Just how the offense goes. It takes a while because they're probably changing the play on that play where the initial call isn't what they want. So Caleb looks to the sideline, Riley relays a different call, and then they change everything. And that has everything to do with why it takes so long to snap the ball. Guys, it's not guys getting lined up in the wrong spot. It's not that they're not prepared. It's just how the offense works.
1: Yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, we had a – Dave behind the orange curtain had a PSA. He says – Trojans, show your appreciation for all the great content. I watched Tunnel Vision, and there was over 3,600 views, but only 167 likes. Trojans, just take a few seconds and hit the like button. Oh, thanks for that, the PSA there. Um, yeah, smash that like button. That's great. Yeah, we got like 150 people. There's 37 likes. It's, a, it's free. Just go to hit the like button. Boom. You're good. Uh, okay, let's get to some questions we had from the chat. Um, This one is from our friend Blackie Chan. Let me pull it up here for you guys. And he says, uh, does Lincoln Riley believe Alex Grinch is the right guy, or is he trying to protect a friend?
0: I think he did really believe he was the right guy in the offseason, and now as USC's gotten into this tough stretch, hey, if they win out the rest of the way and things go great, maybe he'll believe that he's the right guy again but i just think this moment in time if you were to ask him yes or no going forward is he the right guy for the job I, I think he'd have to say no just based on how the defense went
1: yeah i and the whole friend thing like i I don't know where that came from but they just feel feel like these guys are best friends and that's the this isn't like a nepotism you know kurt Ferenc and his son thing like <laughs> they're not i don't think they're that close i think they're close but like yeah i think he thought he was the right guy and you can't think that now so i feel like that's where you are, um, Blackie also wanted to know if USC runs the table and goes undefeated and wins the Pac-12. Where do you see USC rank? So I, I love these like they're going to be terrible. But what if they go undefeated?
0: Well, I guess it would depend on what everyone else does. Like if Georgia wins the SEC, you have them, winner of Ohio State, Michigan. So what would happen actually as I just think it through is Ohio state and Michigan would probably go to the playoff and USC would be like five or six. You know what I mean? Like with two losses, a one loss Michigan or a one loss Ohio state would jump USC. And that's just why I don't think there's any way it, it works. I feel like Florida state will run the table. They're in whoever wins the sec, probably Georgia they're in Texas or Oklahoma they're in. And then Ohio state, Michigan they're in. So if someone else does fall out, maybe then you take both Ohio State and Michigan. I just don't think there's a world unless Florida State drops a game or Texas drops a game in Oklahoma. If other teams join them with two losses, where it works, I don't even think we should be talking about this. No, because it's, it's such like, a tough schedule. Got to go
1: with yeah. Like that's really, I mean, it just doesn't work. Yeah, it. It. I. I mean, yeah. That's a. That's a long. That's a long way away. PM had a question. Uh, the offensive line hasn't looked good. And I feel it's because they're playing a different position than they did last year. Uh, Why did you, why didn't you just let them play where they did last year?
0: That's a great question. And the only thing I've gotten, or the only time I've gotten somewhat close to like getting an answer on that. I asked Josh Henson, if he wished that he made some of the changes that the offensive line made in recent weeks earlier. And he said, no, I just wish the other guys played better. So I'm going to trust Josh Henson's offensive line sense over mine. Like he thought, what he did to begin the year with how USC lined up was what was best for the team, switching all those guys around and they didn't play that well. And they've made some changes and they've played a little bit better. I do wonder if everyone was just at their home, what it would look like, because I think you could have Jarrett Kingston play left tackle. He played there, at Washington state. You could move Jonah either to right tackle where he was last year or inside. Like, I think that's a great question. I don't really have an answer and I do wonder what it would look like if USC did that.
1: Okay. Uh, Brandon has a question. Let's pull this one up. Do you guys think that Lincoln will coordinate the offense around Caleb in the Heisman battle between him and Michael Penix? I
0: don't think that'll have anything to do with it, but Lincoln Riley this year has shown he's reluctant to put the ball in other guys' hands sometimes. He was more, uh, he allowed more of that against Cal when USC ran the ball more, but you know what I mean? It's been a lot of Caleb this year, and I don't think that has anything to do with the Heisman. I think that has everything to do with. Lincoln Riley thinking he trusts him. His quarterback gives them the best chance to win.
1: He does trust them. Uh I I think it's encouraging that they ran the ball 26 times with yeah. running backs. Uh 17 for Marshawn Lloyd. And uh, I think that was a big difference. Um I don't think they win the game if they don't run the ball that much. So I think that helps Cabe a little bit. So yeah, I don't I don't feel like this is a, you know, Heisman thing they're going to try to get him this or get him that. Uh let's go to a Jennifer question. She says, uh, "Do you think there will be more transfers in and out after the season?" Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of college football now. I think she's probably insinuating because wheels could be coming off. Or people are people going to transfer out? Maybe. I mean, USC is going to add guys from the portal.
0: Like maybe will will there be like a surprise transfer? Someone who plays a lot who just doesn't like the direction yeah, like, things are going. I'm not going to
1: say this is happening. I don't think it's happening at all. But, like, is a Zachariah branch or someone going to transfer there? Like, everyone's excited about and not, like, a Kyle Ford who, like, has potential but just wasn't, like, a huge contributor kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Offensively, I don't see anyone who is has a big role right now really leaving, like, maybe one of the fringe receivers and maybe they could be convinced to stay, but defensively, if someone who has a big role just is not happy with how things have gone and they opt to change, I don't think you can rule out except for like a few obvious ones. You can't really rule up anything defensively, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, there could be a lot of, but there's, it's just the nature right now, Jennifer, there's going to be roster turnover though.
0: And USC will add a lot of guys too. They're going to add do a lot of guys. Most thing. of the
1: guys will just be like, they're just not doing much. Like if it's a like Corey Foreman, you're like, okay, you know, maybe he sticks around, but, you know, someone like that, you're like, okay, he's not playing. Um, you know, Ray, uh, Relic Brown, guys like that, like, they were highly ranked, but just, they're not doing that much. Those guys go somewhere else, you know? Um, but, you know, there might be a couple too that you're like, oh, that one, you really would like to keep that guy. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Blackie Chan again. Uh, how do you think Damani and Christian Roland Wallace will match up against uh, Roma Dunze and Polk? like two stud wide receivers for, for Washington.
0: I think Christian Roland Wallace will be on a dunes for most of the game and it could switch and then Polk with Damani Jackson. We'll see anything could happen, but that's my initial read. I think Christian Roland Wallace has established himself as the top corner and he'll cover the team's best receiver on the other side.
1: Yeah. Um, Jackson says she's asking net total net in net out. Uh, Usually, they get more, they're bringing in more than they have leave. I would, I kind of feel like it's going to go the same way for that one. So. Yeah,
0: because guys, a lot of guys leave for graduation. You know what I mean? Their, their eligibility runs out. Um, and if their recruiting class is still on the smaller side, I don't know how many guys they're projected to bring in, like any more in 2024. They might need to rely on the transfer portal a little bit more. So, yeah, they'll definitely bring them more than leave.
1: Yeah. Another one is. Um, How slash where does USC expose Washington on both sides
0: of the ball? Running. I think they can run the ball against Washington for sure. Marshawn Lloyd should have a big game. Caleb should be able to run the ball. The Stanford rushing touchdown, that first one, I don't know how much of that game you saw, Ryan. Yeah. For whatever reason, Washington, like, they had two guys on the defensive line on the edges, and there was just a gaping hole, and Ashton Daniels walked into the end zone pretty much seven yards out, and it was easy. So Washington has a few head-scratching defensive formations. And then on the flip side, it's hard. Uh, They pass the ball like crazy. They're sort of similar to you in the sense that their coach doesn't love to run the ball because he has such a great quarterback. So I guess get pressure. What beats a good quarterback is pressure. So if USC can generate pressure from the interior, outside of the – Defensive ends, whatever they got to do, I I think that's a way to to limit Washington somewhat, and that's a recipe for success.
1: I agree, and I you know I feel like um, I was talking to Chris uh, Fetters, who works for Dogman. and you know last couple games they've been doing a pretty good job of slowing down Washington's run game, and I think if USC can kind of do that, now we haven't seen USC really do that. I guess they did okay against uh, Notre Dame, but there was a lot of short fields there. (laughs) Um, yeah, and then getting some pressure on Penix, they force turnovers too. Like you can, you can do that. So um, there's a, there's there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. Like Washington's defense isn't very good either. So um, not as historically bad as USC's, but it's not that good either. All right, we got a couple more, and we'll let you guys go. PM, if Grinch gets fired and a new defensive coordinator comes in, they'd most likely want to bring in their own coaches uh, to take control of the defense. Um, uh, some of this is cut off. Uh, I think he means to some, is there any defensive coaches you'd like to see stay? Or do you think they'd keep any? I agree that if you bring a new defensive coordinator, they're probably going to have their own defensive staff. Um, and it would, I think it would just be up to them if they want to keep anybody or not, but you're probably making a lot of changes, not just one. My guess. Yeah.
0: Is. I, I don't want to speculate like, Oh, I like this coach. I'd keep them around. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd want to see who the coach is and then kind of see their background. I think Sean New has done a nice job wherever he's been. This year, the run defense is concerning, and he's sort of taken that on the chin. But he coached Aiden Hutchinson in Michigan. He has a pretty good track record. I've, I've always sort of liked what I've seen from him.
1: Yeah. All right, well, one last one. Um, oh yeah, by the way, Raylan Goforth will be in this game, everybody. Brandon says, will you guys support Blackie Chan on the uh, Light the Torch podcast tomorrow night at 6.30 p.m., Right here on YouTube. I encourage you guys. Blackie Chan's been a great listener. So uh, if he's going to be on the Light the Torch podcast, go check him out. If it's 6 30 Pacific, we can tune in in the studio here before our show at seven. So. Yeah, we got our show at seven. So um, yeah, so listen to Blackie Chan for half an hour, but then you got to dump him <laughs> and come to ours. No, we support him. Uh, yeah, okay. So this is great. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We are like, Like you, you lost the two games that you thought were going to be tough. You won a game barely against the thought a team you thought should beat handily, and now you got three really tough games left. And it's a crossroads. You know, if this is a twenty-one point loss, we're coming back here Sunday night talking, and there's really not much more you can say. Like. Uh, you turned the ball over too much. It's just like if you can't do this week in, week in, you know, week in, week out. So, USC fans, you got to hope that they are able to kind of get this together. I feel like there's confidence in the USC program that they can get it right
0: on offense. I think I don't know, but yeah. do you think there is confidence that defensively kinda, they can? A little bit, you know. Like I just feel like, like if Eric Gentry plays more,
1: yeah, than- like. They're, they've done some good things, but there's so many, like, there's so many bad things, too, you know? It's
0: I don't like- know how confident they are defensively, in, in, in my opinion. And maybe they're saying the right thing, but, like, it's been weeks of saying the right thing. You know what I mean? I, I think on offense, they deserve to have confidence, and, and, and it looks like they do. But it's pretty much the same thing I said last week. I think the offense will bounce back, and they did for the most part defensively. It's a big question mark. I wouldn't be surprised if Cal had a huge game, and then Cal goes out and has a huge game. They just, like, we can analyze it. We can talk about it, until it's a better result, a better product. I, I just need to see that before I change my tune.
1: Yeah, get your popcorn ready. Come out to the Coliseum. Um,
0: should be a hell of a college out. football game.
1: It it should be a lot of fun. I mean, Saturday's game against Cal was a lot of fun. Crazy, head scratching. Don't under, you know? Not understanding. Whatever. But it was a lot of fun. I think this one will be too. Um, this is my just to see how old I am, Connor, my 30th reunion for USC. It's a reunion weekend. Uh, so I'll be out there. There's a bunch of events on Friday, so I'll be going to that. So if any of USC grads out there are going to reunion weekend, there's like a cocktail thing Friday night, I think, over at the USC Village. So I'll be out there. Come say hi. And, uh, yeah, I guess still got to work the game. But, um, yeah, it should be fun. You know, this is a, a hell of a homecoming game. Yeah, you know, you'd rather have like Rice or somebody on Homecoming, not like <laughs> number five. Doesn't that kind of make it fun? Washington, no. yeah. I mean, you don't want to get like curb stomped. No, on. no.
0: I I don't see like I don't see it being a a situation where one side gets blown out. I I, I really don't. I do think it's going to be close. Look at how every USC game has been, except for that Notre Dame game recently. They've all been close. USC certainly has the talent to keep it close. Washington's offense is so good. I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I give USC a chance for sure, but of course, like everyone else, I, I just want to see what the defense can do.
1: I do too. Um, you know what's interesting? This is, and I just thought about this a little earlier today, the first you know, future conference opponent that USC will be playing because Oregon, UCLA are still coming up. So the four schools that are going to the Big Ten, this is the first one that USC gets to play, and they'll play – um, not every year, but almost every year, UCLA, they'll play every year. They played Notre Dame already and they get to play them every year, but that's an out of conference game. So this is the first one, like everyone else they've played in the pac 12 is going to be somewhere else next year. These two teams will be conference mates Um, and they will play next year where Oregon and USC, I don't believe play next year. So um, if I'm, if I'm, uh, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that was the case. I know like um, the big 12 schedule came out and like, the ACC schedule came out. For yeah, like the Syracuse going six. to Cal, baby. Syracuse going to Cal. You're gonna go. You could go to that game. They could drive right um, up. But like Utah and BYU are like locked rivals now, uh, so they don't have to have their stupid rivalry with Colorado anymore. So there's some cool stuff uh, kind of going on. Like we still don't know about Oregon State and Washington State yet, but this is the first time you're gonna have future Big Ten uh, opponents play on the USC side. Like Oregon and Washington have already played. Um, but yeah, this will be, uh, and UCLA is not playing Oregon or Washington. So I guess this will be the second meeting of future big 10, uh, conference mates. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Well, I think it's going to wrap things up. Um, I would say we normally got to get out of here quick cause Connor's got to go to practice, but you know, wah, wah, wah. USC closed practice. So, well, they didn't close it, but he could show up for seven minutes, watch him stretch and then ha- talk to nobody. So I'm not going to make him like waste all his gas going over there to do that. They, uh,
0: they, yeah, they didn't close it, but you know, they kind of closed it. You
1: closed it. <laughs> they didn't close it, but it's closed. Like,
0: we can't talk to anybody,
1: and you can watch for seven minutes. So maybe almost seven minutes, not quite seven minutes. But we digress. Uh, okay. We got, you know, got to get a lot of things can go right if you get a win on Saturday. Like, you can fix a lot of stuff. You get a better game time to or up in Oregon. Momentum, maybe practice will be open a little bit more. Like, there's gonna be a lot, there'll be a lot of positivity, whatever.
0: Well, and, and the fan base. like, how much negativity do we deal with, right? Like, people taking it too far on the peristyle, on social media. Like, it's one thing to be critical of the, of the defense, which, you know, that's what I've been doing here, but people have been just going way too far with it. If you go out and pull out a win this week for at least a week, a lot of the doubters will hopefully be quieter because this is a game where if you win 50 to 49 it's a hell of a lot different than Cal Washington is number 5 in the country. Yes. The style points don't matter as much.
1: Yeah, and I think if you would have beat Notre Dame or beat Utah in the crazy manner where they were down and they come back and they squeak out a win and Utah misses that field goal at the end, are you going to feel like amazing about the team? But no, it's like, hey, this was Utah. You got over on them like you just feel good about it. This is the same thing. If you beat Washington 50 to 49, and they missed a two-point conversion at the end. Who cares? You just beat the number five team in the country. They just haven't got that win yet this year of, like, there have been a two who-cares games, and they've lost both, you know? Um, So this is a who-cares game. Who cares how you win, just win. And
0: and funny enough, both of those teams were ranked, you know what I mean? Like, they got to show it against a ranked team, so here we go. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up.
1: Uh, Mr. Triple-Double over there, Connor Set. did you eat all your candy from...
0: so Chris gave me three pieces I said I have a sweet tooth I only want to take two because I don't want to have that third one I ate pieces last night
1: (laughs) well you can have some candy corn we'll do it we can pose for our (laughs) nice Uh, (laughs) it's gonna wrap it up Connor Morissette I'm Ryan Abraham hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time
0: Trader Joe's in Southern California we go way back kind of like USC football
3: in in the beginning, it was so bad that uh, Dave Hetzel and I took turns dressed in a gorilla suit, flagging people in.
0: That's from episode one of Inside Trader Joe's. We hope you'll check it out,
1: or some of our other podcast episodes about the past, present, and future of Trader Joe's, and all those cool products.
0: Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts.